Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, you heard the very sad news of Matthew Perry passing away, age 54, and that's very young. But to be perfectly honest, uh, after reading his book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, I'm surprised he made it to 54. Yeah, his internal organs lived a full life, by the sounds. Yeah, of. he, uh, and, and it, from what I, you know, he always had an issue with alcohol. He started drinking beer at a very young age with his friends and uh, would, uh, caught on to him pretty quickly. But what really sent him spiraling was he, uh, he was in a, a horrible jet skiing accident. And, of course, in the U.S. Uh, back in the late 90s, well, here, just have some of these uh, pain pills, have some... Mm. Opioids, and uh, he got hooked, and it was basically uh, downhill for a very long time. But he seems to, after the release of that book, he seemed to uh, really have pulled his life together. He was very much um, uh, on the uh, the road to not only you know, get, keeping himself sober, but helping others. He had opened uh, something called a big Perry House in Los Angeles to help uh, recovering addicts, and he... Um, had said a few times in interviews, as much as I know I'll always be remembered as Chandler, I'd rather when I die to be known for the guy who helped us, tried to help as many people as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sad situation all around. You know, there's many who, uh, you know, after the reunion of Friends came out, you know, kind of pointed out that he didn't look well. Mm. Right? He'd obviously put his body through the ringer. Um, his speech was impaired, but I think he said it was a dental procedure yeah, or something. I believe that's what he said at the that time. It was, but many had wondered if he'd had a stroke. Yeah. Uh, at that time. And, 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 and then they started to kind of look back when he talked about the drinking to see whether or not you could see the change in him during the seasons of Friends, mm-hmm. like from start to finish with his character. And what a brilliant character Chandler Bing was. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've gone back and kind of looking for clips to play today, listen to some of of the jokes, the, the humor that he had, so crass and sarcastic. It was really good. Yeah, he said in an interview somewhere that that, that inflection he always had, that could it be any better, was something that him and his buddies when he was growing up in Ottawa, they used to just do it all the time. Mm. They just caught on to this and they thought it was hilarious. And uh, so when he uh, got the uh, the part, he incorporated that. Interesting, too, at the beginning of his book, he starts it off with, Hi, my name is Matthew, although you may know me by my other name. My friends call me Matty, and I should be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Also quite, you know, crazy was the fact that his, his last post on Instagram was, I think, early last week or last weekend mm. when he posted himself uh, a picture of himself in the hot tub. Yes. And uh, and it sounds like reports are that's where he was found. Yeah, I guess a little sketchy right now. There sounds perhaps like cardiac arrest. There was some prescription medication, anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants found at his house. Also some medication that he was taking to... Uh, to try to curb his smoking. But he just gotten back from playing pickleball, right? Yeah. He was a teenage, bit of a teenage tennis star. Oh. You know, in Ottawa, however far you can go in tennis in Ottawa when right. you can only play like three weeks of the year. <laughs> but, um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, so I guess he was a bit of an athlete and played tennis going through high school and such. And then as so many people, Kind of past the age of 45 and beyond, has seemed to have picked up uh, pickleball mm-hmm. as a sport. And he had been, played a two-hour round. And then got home, sent his assistant out on an errand. The assistant returned two hours later and found him dead in the hot tub. Wow. 
So it sounds like maybe cardiac arrest, you would think, or he might have just even fallen asleep in the hot tub and drowned. Who knows? Uh, he, uh, outside of uh, Friends, he had some movies. He had some success with the whole nine yards. There was a couple of films him and Bruce Willis did together. That was a good one, yeah. They were fun. He uh, Early on, he made a movie with Salma Hayek called Fools Rush In, and he speaks about what a mess he was during the filming of that. And he also starred with uh, Thomas Lennon on a, a decent little sitcom called The uh, Odd Couple. It was a reboot of the original. Okay. And uh, and uh, another show that wasn't bad either, uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which was an hour-long drama. last thing he was in it was in 2017 in a miniseries called The Kennedys After Camelot. As of last night, no other Friends cast members have uh, commented on his death. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they're all, you know, quite broken up and heartbroken about all of it. Adele stopped her Vegas show to pay tribute. I think she did that for somebody else, too, who passed away while she was doing her residency. Uh, fans of, uh, of uh, Friends have been leaving flowers outside of the Friends apartment in Manhattan's West Village. So though they did film the show in Los Angeles, the, a lot of the exterior shots were, of course, done in and around Manhattan. So Matthew Perry, good Ottawa boy, loved himself some hockey, threw a big party for the Kings at his home when they won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Had the uh, cup displayed on his balcony overlooking L.A. And, of course, was seen a lot in, in wearing Ottawa Senators jerseys. Yeah, he'd made a couple of visits. Yeah, so there you go. Very sad. Matthew Perry, 54 years old. Well, this is something that uh, hasn't come up, I don't think, all that often in discussions about uh, remote working over the last few years. But working from home has made it harder to cheat. Cheat. To have an affair. Oh, right. Yeah. A uh, survey found out almost half, almost half of all workers admit to having an affair with a colleague at work at some point in their lives. Now, this may seem high, of course. Right. But it includes everything from just flirting to, like, threesomes. (laughs) The whole thing. Gotcha. Uh, Some say it happened in the workplace, during work events, that it happened digitally through calls, text, and social media, that it went down at a meeting outside of work, some took advantage of work trips while away. Mm. Then it was figured out uh, which professions <clears throat> uh, most and least likely to cheat with a coworker. At the top of the list, sales. Right. Yeah. They're uh, they're always schmoozing. Yeah. Teachers are high on the list. Of, uh, likely to have an affair. Okay. I thought they were far too busy. <laughs> uh, healthcare. Transport and logistics, hospitality and event management, engineering and manufacturing, construction, accountants, banking, finance, IT, and uh, people in the military. I would have thought hospitality would be high up on that list only because you know, if you're in a hotel. Sure. <laughs> a lot of rooms with beds. Yeah. The uh, professions least likely to cheat are science and pharmaceuticals. Right. Maybe it's because of those big white coats. It's not so sexy. (laughs) Business consulting, management, law enforcement, creative arts and design. Well, look at this. Media and Internet. Hey. Hey, we can be trusted. Although most people tell you, can't trust anybody in the media. (laughs) Right. But we can be trusted. Law, legal, uh, environment and agriculture. 
marketing, advertising, PR. These are all people who are least likely to cheat. Okay. Public service and retail. And for what it's worth, <clears throat> the affairs are not always exposed. About a quarter of the offenders believe their partner never found out. Mm. I think if they found out, you'd know. You know. <laughs> Come up over dinner. Lucky returning uh, from Pittsburgh after calling uh, Penguins and Senators game. Now, uh, with the uh, great state of Pennsylvania, are uh, people more Flyers fans or Penguins fans? Uh, they got a real interstate rivalry oh, yeah. that happens between those two teams. I, I mean, obviously, city to city, your allegiances to your own teams. Right. I'm always amazed in the states, though. That, you know, when you run in, if you talk to anyone there, they're never from the state that you're in. No, right. Right. They, like, they move around a lot. Yeah. In, in, within the United States. Well, it takes, if you're driving, it takes like a week just to get out of Ontario. Right. You know, whereas you can be through three states in a couple hours. Yeah. Sometimes. But, but, but that's, that's the shocking part because, you know, myself, I, now I've, I've been to a number of provinces. I still, I don't think Saskatchewan I've ever been to. Um, and I, I haven't been out to PEI yet, mm. but, um, but I mean, that's just visiting, not living uh, there. Right. But in the States, I mean, you could fly from state to state for like 40 bucks. I can only hope that there's an NHL franchise put into PEI and that you get recruited <laughs> or somewhere deep into Saskatchewan. <laughs> right. Regina. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you were there, and that's great. Now, it's funny, you and I uh, both uh, did a uh, a podcast called The uh, Factory um, with a, a gentleman that we used to work with. And the funny thing about this business, uh, I heard a guy doing a podcast about local Toronto media people years ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, who the hell really cares? But what I learned quickly was that radio people especially, and I'm sure TV people are the same, we just love to read our resume. Right. We do, you want to, Oh, you want me to come in the studio and talk about myself for two mm. hours? I'm getting on the bus right now. <laughs> so anyhow, you and I did this podcast where we talked about our careers. And what I, what I found interesting in yours, and I know you haven't even, you didn't even know mine was up. No, I didn't know it was posted. Yeah. No. I'd like, I just saw a picture of it. I liked it. Yeah. It's sure. a good pick. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, what I liked about yours was uh, it was an hour and 33 minutes, and I listened to the whole thing. Of course Although you I had did. to slap my face a few times to wake myself up. I bet. But it seems to me you, you talk about your early days and how your interest in radio came to be and how you went to Humber for uh, like six weeks or something, and then you... Um, you you started off at uh, like uh, a traffic uh, radio station, network, reading traffic yeah. reports and network, and then uh, the airport uh, radio station that nobody listened to. You you talked about that, yep. and then it's way to talking hockey for the next three quarters of this podcast, right? Where then you decided somewhere along the line to slide your buddy's name in there, right. a guy you've been with for the last ten years, and let me tell you this, a guy who you'd be nowhere without, right. Sure. So I now know where your focus is and where I am on your... Bu- I am so far in your rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. I am yesterday's news. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't wait to get to the next bowl of spaghetti like Lady and the Tramp for you and Sidney Crosby <laughs> to dine together. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, my God. How that, all, how, how I, guy, I, will, I will admit when doing this thing, because, yeah. Josh, we've known for years he yeah. used to do uh, setups for us and, yeah. and rock your blocks and, and that sort of thing, and a lot of video and really good good guy. I also taught him when I was at Durham. I mentioned that a couple of times, I think, in the podcast. Oh, you did mention teaching Durham. And he also brought up, hey, what were some of your great memories of the rock? And he brought up rock your block. You don't even remember being here. I don't remember him being there, no. no. And, uh, you don't yeah. have one fond memory of this 10 years together. I had very nice things to say about you. I didn't throw you under the bus at all. <laughs> Although I do find it a little funny. I, I think what I was going to say is that I, because I was talking to a guy who worked here in yeah. this building, I, I, I forget that this is supposed to go to any other audience. I was just having a conversation mm-hmm. with him. So why tell him about something he already knows? Mm. Um, but that being said, I do find it funny that you listened to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thin-skinned. Because you were just looking for my mentions yeah. of you. Yeah. Well, honestly. <laughs> what did he say about no. me? What does he say about me? He mentioned You mentioned Rogers and uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment about 900 times. <laughs> I mean, there are producers in Hockey Night in Canada who still can't get their pants up from the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Sidney Crosby could even play. He'd be so weak-kneed after you were mauling him. Right. <laughs> that must have been it. <laughs> Maybe that's why they lost. Anyhow, we uh, we know what the future holds. Sure. Just while you're here. like, uh, Listen, while Just, we're still living under the same roof, like a marriage... excited about it for a bit. Like a marriage that's fallen <laughs> apart. We're just in it for the kids right now. Just try to act like you want to be here. Inevitably, you can go. We know the writing's on the wall. Just pretend you're happy here. I've been acting like I wanted to be here for 10 years. If you're a little concerned about where Taylor Swift's next meal is coming from, don't be. Uh, She's had herself a... A pretty good year. According to Bloomberg Billionaires Index, her net worth is now $1.1 billion. Unreal. That's thanks in large part to her record-breaking Eras Tour, which isn't even over yet. The international leg is starting Thursday in Argentina. Uh, and what sets her apart from others who are in the billionaire status entertainment world, the Rihanna's and Beyonce and Jay-Z, yes, they're also billionaires, but their various business ventures make up a huge part of their wealth. Taylor Swift has just made this from record sales and touring. Yeah, yeah, and and re-recording all of her albums has been a mint for her as well, mm-hmm. and where she controls it all. Because as much as her net worth is $1.1 billion, a lot of that was taken by, re- not, a, not a lot of that, a lot of other income mm. was taken by record labels that owned her music. Right. Right, so yeah. there, she could be worth $2 billion by now. If she had owned it all all along or had control of it. We, uh, over the weekend, we were with family on Sunday for my mother-in-law's birthday. And the topic of her and uh, Travis came up. And it was funny. The, whatever your, wherever your interests lie. So my brother-in-law and his son, and his son is a first year university, very much sports uh, fans, into all sports. That's what they watch and what they do. And. Uh, he, they wouldn't know Taylor Swift if she walked by them on the street. And so when the discussion of Taylor or Travis came up, in their opinion, Travis was the bigger star of the two of them. Gotcha. You know, and yes. I'm saying, look, I don't really care for either of them, but I'll tell you this much. 
Her career is going on for a very long time. He's one broken ankle away from being done. Yeah, well, and he hurt his ankle not too long ago yeah. as well. And listen, the, the fans of the Kansas City Chiefs might be turning on her. She didn't show up to the game on Sunday. She wasn't there. Against uh, the Broncos. On right? the Broncos, and they lost. And the Broncos aren't doing good. They right? have been struggling. Wow. Yeah. I think Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was sick or something like that. There was all sorts of stuff going on around that, but... But for some who believe there's a, a the Taylor was the one mm. that was responsible for all of this winning and great play of the Chiefs, which is all in, out and out ridiculous. It's- I wonder. Uh, I wonder what the reality is in that private suite when the likes of Patrick Mahomes' wife is in there and has mm. been in there for years yeah. now. And and Taylor shows up. Like do the other women, do they ooh and awe over her? They probably treat her very nice. But I wonder if there's some like. Jealousy or like, oh God, now the spotlight's going to be on her. Right. You know, because we know Patrick Mahomes' wife from that quarterback's uh, documentary. She's, she's too busy fighting through everything. You know, well, she seems to be tagging along with a lot of stuff. They're, you know, they've yeah. been seen having lunches and hmm. before games. I just find it very interesting because they show a lot of pics of like, or hanging out at the house before games and after games and, is that like and flying on the team plane? Like, Taylor Swift is. Yeah, how the hell is that all allowed? It happened so quickly. <laughs> yeah, you know? but anyway, interesting. I was uh, I was talking with some family uh, in the states when I was there on the weekend, and they because the Dara's tour had already gone through, mm-hmm. um, and they had friends who had tickets. The family had tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. Mm. Uh, they they got six of them. Wow. And just decided, I guess the father, she said, the father sat the girls down and said, listen, if we sell these, we'll be much better off mm-hmm. than actually going to the show. And you could, so they sold their tickets, took a trip to Hawaii. On what they made. On what they made. They sold their tickets for $5,000 each. Oh my God. 30 grand. Took a $15,000 trip to Hawaii and banked the rest. Wow. And, and that's where, that's a, one of the major problems that people are having with this tour, mm-hmm. certainly fans are complaining about, is that there are those who are just minting money off of all of this. And inside. what was the face value of the tickets? Oh, like 500 bucks. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, she's, she's doing just fine. She'll be good. Well, and, and there again is money that she's not making out that. It's people no. making money off of her, that's right? That's right. Yeah. No, that's right. Uh, and I read an interesting article uh, from Stuart Copeland, ex-drummer uh, of the police, where he says near the end of that band's run, he literally wanted to choke out Sting. <laughs> he said, I came this close to homicide. There were times when it became absolutely critical that I choked the life out of him. Because, of course, the uh, police uh, re- only released five albums, but Stuart Copeland says he's l- we're lucky we got that far. He said uh, we were all ready to implode because Sting wanted to take the music in a different direction than the rest of the band. And Stuart Copeland was like, well, no, I, this is a party. I want the sound of the police to keep going. And mm-hmm. we know now, uh, as Sting has released a bunch of uh, his own music and solo efforts, that the direction he wanted to take his music was to Boringville. <laughs> On the line for Wild Fork and Whippy, it's Theodore Reeder, the godfather of the grill. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Teddy. How are you? Can't complain. A little tired today. No doubt. Yeah, the two of you were both in uh, Pittsburgh, and I want to talk about Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh food here in a second because you were both there, and I'm sure you both dined rather well. But I saw something. Before we get to that, Ted, I saw something in the grocery store, and I thought, 
I got to ask, what the hell you do with this particular product? In the frozen food section, they had something called beef suet. I think that's how you say it, S-U-E-T. What is beef suet and suet, and what do you do with it? Suet. Yeah. It's fat. Is, it, is that all it is? That's it, beef fat. Oh. So wait, you put it in, so, like, uh, like chilies or soups or... Uh, you can yeah. if you want that fat, but uh, sometimes it's good just to uh, uh, melt it down, and they use that for your uh, Yorkshire puddings. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, That's I see. Fat. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh. it Very renders good. down. You get a liquid out of it. All right, there you go. Oil, and that's it. And also, it. and also, I noticed something over the weekend, and I thought I'd bring it up because I was going through my uh, our cookbooks over our stove, and I stumbled upon your "On Fire in the Kitchen." And do you know, Teddy, that book is now twenty years old. Holy smoke! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was out in '03. I thought, I wonder. And I think I saw one on, like, Amazon. Like, there was uh, some collector. Maybe you had signed it for somebody at some point. Trying to get, they're getting 75 bucks for it. What? you got to get a piece of that pie. <laughs> yeah. I've, it, it's amazing. Some of my books on Amazon, I've seen uh, my my Napoleon's uh, plank grilling cookbook I saw. This is a few years back. I saw someone was asking for 300 bucks for it. Wow. And I'm like, uh, wow, that's a lot of money for that book. <laughs> Good book, but wow, 300 yeah. bucks? I'm not sure I'd spend that money on it. Somebody probably did. So yeah. uh, let's talk Pittsburgh. Yeah, both of you were there, uh, lucky there for the NHL and play-by-play with the Senators and uh, Penguins, and you, of course, there for football with the Steelers. But every American city always has a claim to fame about food, something that they believe only their city offers or offers the best of. And I did a, a quick little look, and uh, it seems the top of the list is something called a Primanti sandwich. Mm, Primanti Brothers. Yeah. Now, have you did you dine on one of these? I think Lucky did while he was there. Uh, I have not. I, I, I have, but I didn't this time. Okay. Uh, the original location, which is in the Strip District of uh, Pittsburgh, was lined up. I don't know. There must have been 50, 60 people waiting in line to get into the uh, original location. And uh, they, they're famous for their, their sandwich, which is... Um, uh, French bread, mm-hmm. white bread. It's got uh, some kind of coleslaw on it that they make. I believe there's a capicolo um, cold cut on there, and then French fries, right. tomato, right. and bread. And uh, but they have a number of different varieties that you can do. But that's uh, their their most famous one. I think they 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 have a booth they had definitely had a booth at the the Steelers game and uh, i think they have a number of locations throughout the city and around the uh, the outside of the city yeah it's all a pittsburgh thing they do have a location in the airport i've, I've realized that <laughs> as well but it's been around for 90 years it opened like 1933 that strip district one uh, right yeah. downtown and, and and you know i i've had it before as well i didn't have one on this trip too ted i i had it before really thick cut bread like it it's it's uh it's it's a kind of a one off sandwich. I don't know if you want to eat this on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but it was certainly it, something to try. 
Definitely, you don't want to eat it on a daily basis. And it's, uh, I, I remember years ago when we were last in Pittsburgh, and I had gone. We, my son and my daughter and my wife and I, we had gone into Promantis. Uh, this was uh, before the pandemic, so um, you know the lineups weren't super super long. We went in and ordered, and I said, "Can I have my French fries? Well done!" And I got this glare from the waitress, like, "Don't you dare! French fries should be cold and soggy when we put them on the sandwich." Right. <laughs> yeah, that strip district I was going to say is actually a really cool area. We went out for dinner down there on Friday night, and uh, it, it, just a lot of restaurants, a lot of them have the big garage doors that open, two levels of that open air, really nice. And Pittsburgh, I guess, known for some of its uh, food, not only downtown, but for you, Teddy, you were part of the tailgate scene, which uh, for barbecue and for Pittsburgh faithful or anyone around the NFL, that is massive. You were down there tailgating. Yeah, we had a we had a great uh, great time tailgating. We did some uh, oysters uh, on the fire, roasted oysters topped with uh, crab meat. Uh, we had uh, sausages and onions done on buns topped mm. with a little bit of beef chili that we made hanging over the open fire. We had three pits set up uh, cooking up a storm. We did some uh, mashed potato home fries with bacon and onion and egg oh. and sausage in a cup. Uh, it was a tasty, tasty time, tasty time. And let me give it something straight. So, like, you're down there with, you know, you had a couple of buddies and, and a few grills and tailgating, but it's not just you feeding yourselves. Like, it's basically a big communal food festival. That's for sure. Uh, we were in a, we were in a corner uh, of this parking lot, and there was. Uh, I don't know. We were. It was a good time. I will say this though: it's very civilized tailgating in Pittsburgh compared to Buffalo. Okay. Uh, you go to a game in Buffalo; it's like you're taking your life in your hands. People are crazy. They're jumping onto tables. They're they're going insane. Down there, it's all very very prim and proper. Huh. It's a it's a, a different a different vibe, but yeah. just as much fun. But we were down there with uh, NFL Canada and uh, having some fun and enjoyed the game. My Steelers did not win. I was not happy about that. Um, but, you know, it was still a great time, great stadium, good people, good times. You just need somebody uh, to date Taylor Swift from the Steelers and then <laughs> you'll win all the time. Uh, and before we let you go, I also noticed on the list of favorite Pittsburgh uh, food, pierogies high on the list. Now, mm. let me ask you this. Are you a, one who likes to boil a pierogi or do you like to fry in some, like, garlic and butter and such? I'm I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I can do the pierogi either way. Uh, down there, there's lots of places you can get pierogies. Tons in the in the freezer section of the grocery store. Uh, I will say I went into uh, this uh, Holy's Market in the Strip District, and it started out as a fish uh, market, but great store, lots of fun. Picked up lots of good little things there. But uh, yeah, pierogies, I, I like them both. I also like to bake and wrap them and smoke them. Oh, of course you would. Right. Of course you would. And I'm sure we could find a wide selection of pierogies at a Wild Fork and Whippy. So a great side dish. Always the pierogi when you're putting together your dinner at night. All right, Teddy, if people want to talk Pittsburgh food or any food from any city or food at the joint or food at Wild Fork, how do they get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, give me a buzz at Ted Grills. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.